We'll take your Bibles and turn to 1 Corinthians 6.12. 1 Corinthians 6.12, all things are lawful, entitled a message. It says, all things are lawful unto me, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. Let's pray together, please. And most gracious Heavenly Father, we do thank Thee for all Thy blessings You give us in Christ Jesus, how You called us out of darkness into Thy marvelous light. You put the words of faith in our hearts and mouth, and that we might praise Thee, and uh, that we might believe on Thee as we ought, and that You saved us from our wickedness, our sin, and has promised us a home in glory. We just pray that You'd have mercy on each one here according to their needs, and that you bless each one, O oh Lord. We look to thee for those without Christ, that you would have mercy upon them, the saints. You'd edify, strengthen in the faith, and that we might celebrate all the blessings you have given us in Christ Jesus. We just praise thee and thank thee. In Jesus' name, for his sake, amen. amen. All things are lawful. All things are lawful unto me. There is one condition for a sinner to be saved, and... That is to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, as the scriptures have said. There are no other conditions, no Sabbath keeping, no abstaining from, touch not, handle not, eat not. However, God all requires that the sinner by faith repent and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, which we know that every person is incapable of. Only by the grace of God can we do that, and, and there's no way you can work yourself up to it. You can't say, well, I'm going to be good for in this week, and maybe by the end of the week I can believe. Uh, this won't work. Uh, and so as we think of this uh, passage or this verse, uh, Paul leaves, as we go through, we'll look at a, a few other verses in that same chapter. Uh, and there is no sin a saint can do to remove him from the family of God. Now, you might be chastised, you might get into heaven as by the fire, as it says in 1 Corinthians 3rd chapter. Uh, we could uh, go through different scenarios of losing rewards at the Bema Seat judgment of Christ, but nonetheless, you whether you leave, lose the rewards, whether you just get in by the fire, there's nothing in the world can separate you from the Lord Jesus Christ. And once God has saved you, then... You're, you're his forevermore. And there is no then saint that can remove you. Many show how the word all is used in the scriptures, and we're not going to spend much time on that. They just mention one place in particular, and, and the, the all of what, uh, Mark 1, 5, 1 through 5. We're not going to read it. I'm just going to mention a few things it says, and it... And it uh, uh, speaks of John the Baptist, and John the Baptist came out baptizing, and he said he baptized all in Judah and Jerusalem. And uh, so some, as they, says, all that went out unto him, all the land of Judah and they of Jerusalem, and were all baptized of him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. And the word all is depending on how it's used, and which part it's talking about. On this occasion, they came out, they repented and were baptized, and those that came out came out from Judea and Jerusalem area. There's no other regions that are mentioned, and so this is the area by, from which they came from, and that's what it's speaking about. 
all that came and repented were baptized. And so anybody that come and, and, and repented uh, <coughs> were baptized. Now, we know later on, uh, John kind of deviates from that. I believe it was the third chapter. Deviates from that, and he says, who has warned you? He's talking to Pharisees and scribes who's come warned you. And uh, so those, the uh, from all indication, they weren't baptized as uh, they came out, but they came out for the show. Uh, so we think about 1 Corinthians 6.12, all things are lawful for unto me, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. Now, the rest of the chapter, as we go through there, actually is dealing with that uh, verses there. And, of course, what preceded that in verses 13 and 14, meats for the belly and belly for the meats, but God shall destroy both it and them. Now, the body is not for fornication, but for the Lord, and the Lord is for the body. And God hath both raised up the, <coughs> the Lord and will also raise us, uh, <coughs> will raise up us by his own power. Now, there's, as we are, as long as we're on the earth, food's for the belly and belly's for the food. You don't eat, you're going to die. I can guarantee you that's the way it is. If you don't drink water, you don't get, uh, if you don't, uh, if you will, uh, keep uh, uh, enough fluids, uh, then you'll die. And, uh, and I'm talking about the physical death here. And then, so... God has made to create all this food for us to eat, a variety. I mean, uh, <clears throat> just think if they're just one thing. God said, well, uh, you're going to just make one apple, one kind of apple, and everybody's going to survive on one apple. He could have done that. Uh, but he's given us a variety of all kinds of food, and everything he's given us that is for food, we're to use it for food. And we bring honor and glory unto him that we do that. But the body is not made for fornication. Uh, we could say the body is not made for sin. It's not made for wickedness. That's not the purpose that God made man was that he go out and sin all he wants to. Uh, some uh, look over some of these, uh, like chapter 12, and, and they say, well, antinomian, you know, I mean, I, I can do anything I want to, and it doesn't matter. That's not what God says. <laughs> if you honor God, then you won't be out committing fornication, stealing, robbing banks, and killing people, and all the rest. You won't be out lying and cheating and so on and so forth, because that brings dishonor to God. But that will not remove you from his family if you're already in it. <laughs> that cannot will not, and those whom God elected will be saved. I don't care what walk of life they're in. They might be a prisoner on death row and getting ready to be executed. God saves His and will save them regardless of them. The whole point of the Scriptures is that our salvation is based upon what Christ Jesus did for us, not what we have done for Christ. And, and yes, we owe Christ a debt that we cannot ever repay. And if we lived a life of perfect holiness, godliness, honoring Him in everything, way, every way, shape, and form, we still would fall short of the blessings He's given us. And so we think about anything God made for food, as we said, as we are to use it. The word not expedient means it's not advantageous. 
uh, proves no spiritual benefit and is this God, against God's purpose for man. So all things are lawful, but not all things are expedient. Not all things will build up your, <coughs> your testimony. Not all things will bring honor and glory unto the Lord Jesus Christ. Not all things will lead others to, to, to the Lord. Not all things will give us a good conscience before God. And so when we think about some things are not expedient, and they're not cause you to be lost, uh, but when God gets through chasing you, uh, you wish you'd never done it. Uh, it can bring you under its power, uh, fornication, and I... I finally, I wrote this down. I put it over here somewhere. <clears throat> now, I'm not going to find it, of course. <clears throat> I've tried to use this several times. and every, uh, Sin will take you further than you wanted to go. <clears throat> Slowly, wholly, taking control. Sin will leave you longer than you wanted to stay. Sin will cost you more than you wanted to pay. And... Uh, Take your father is one I never could remember. <clears throat> but that's the way sin is. And you say, why is that so? Because God will allow for such a sin to have dominion over you. As David prayed there in Psalms 32, <clears throat> that keep him back from presumption sin, that they not have dominion over him. How could anything have dominion when Christ is our Lord? Because God allows it to have dominion. <clears throat> He'll make you sick of sin before you get out of it. You say, well, I'm going to try this. You know, if it don't work, I'm not going to, you know, if God doesn't get to, God gets too mad or whatever, I, I, I just won't do it anymore. That's not the way it works. <clears throat> you can take David. You can take all the examples in the scriptures. And let me say to you, you'll never get out of that sin until God lets you out. You say, well, I, I'm in Christ, so I don't have to worry about that. And I, I can quit it any time I want to. You can't. God will turn you over to the devil for a season, and we see many examples of it. It didn't say that Hymetrius was lost. It said that Paul turned him over Satan for a time. The point I'm making is, is that when we get into sin, there's a consequence to it. But one of those consequences is not losing your salvation. Fornication is all kinds. We can talk about the different kinds of this, but... I, Nonetheless, that's a pretty wicked sin for any saint. But that will not take you out of the family of God. Just won't do it. Once you're in, you're in forever, for better or for worse. Verse 19 and 20 of 1 Corinthians 6. What know ye not that you're the body and the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God? And ye are not your own, for you are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Now, the body has a lot of functions. One thing, it houses our spirit, houses our soul. It is the place that we receive information. We got ears here, eyes, mouth. And touch, feel. I mean, when we, t- when we touch the world, we, our, our feelings tells us where we're at. The eyes show out and say, well, I'm in a church building. And we can just go on and on. This is the way we sense the world. 
But the body has another higher purpose, and that is the temple of the Holy Spirit. It is his dwelling place. And, and you say, well, how'd that happen? And mentioned this morning, Brother Mike mentioned how the, will, the wind moves, you know. It, and we don't know the coming of the going of it. And so, so is everyone born of the Spirit. And the Spirit came in without your permission. He came in when you weren't looking for him, maybe. Now, some people are the other way around. They, I think the Spirit already had him on conviction, but wouldn't argue that point. And he takes up residence. <clears throat> and when he takes up residence and he calls us to be born again, he makes us a new creature in Christ, he doesn't leave. He comes in, he stays. <clears throat> and he guides us, directs us. But it's the temple of God. That's what this body is. Now, we know some people talk about temple. You know, My body's a temple, so I exercise ten times a day or something like that. That's not what the Bible's talking about. It's talking about being the temple of all God, Almighty God. <clears throat> we are bought, redeemed with a price. And Jesus' suffering and shame on the cross at Calvary. The Holy Spirit takes what Christ has done and applies it to us. <clears throat> and he's called sometime the Spirit of Christ, God's Spirit. We could go to the different names that we have in the Scriptures. <clears throat> the price Christ paid was not a small price. <clears throat> I don't know how that he could endure paying all our sins. Only explanation I've got for it, because he was God in the flesh. His father turned his back on him on the cross at Calvary. The heavens turned dark as Jesus suffered there for our sins. And the Holy Spirit has been a planet to the elect ever since. And there they were wallowing in the muck and mire until Jesus came, until they <clears throat> were part of his finished work. In the new birth, we entirely are cleansed, sanctified, made a holy and perfect temple for God Almighty. Evil things should not be brought into the temple. I just used the example on my notes. I, we've been talking about it last week and week before and so on and so forth. We don't think we ought to bring an excess tree in the church building. We don't think that's a good thing to do. That that would be a wicked thing to do. And I was saying, well now, we're going to have a drunken party this afternoon, but it's not in the auditorium. It's going to be back in the fellowship hall, so it don't count. It does count. You say, well, we wouldn't do that, preacher. You say, you'd be, you're crazy talking like that. Uh, isn't this the temple of the Holy Spirit? When I bang a tree in my house? When I get drunk? When I commit fornication? That's defiling the temple of God. This is the temple of God. says it is. 
<clears throat> so we wouldn't want to bring an evil thing into the temple. <clears throat> and we're not this, you know, we can't compartmentalize it. Well, well uh, the spirits in our spirit, so whatever I do, <clears throat> whatever I, if I get drunk or anything, it don't count because it it's not going in the spirit. He said, nobody think like, yes, it do. He didn't say that my spirit was the temple. He didn't say that my mind was the temple. He said, my body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. And when committed fornication, it affects the whole being. It's not just affecting, if you will, so well, just the lust of flesh, so and so forth. <clears throat> Fornication goes much deeper than that. We'll not get into that this morning, but it has a ever it has a lasting effect that's hard to get rid of and, and do away with. You either controlled by the spirit or sin. In six through nine nine through ten, it's speaking about uh, well, we'll read it. Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators. That's one of those things you've got to keep out of the temple. Idolaters, idolaters, infeminate, nor abuser themselves of mankind, nor thieves, nor covered, nor drunken, nor ramblers, nor extortion shall inherit the kingdom of God. Sound like we ought to keep the temple clean. Some of the things that we would not bring into the church building will be bring into our house. Now, I know some things we would say, well, we wouldn't bring a TV in. There might be an occasion for something. I don't know what it would be. <clears throat> but I'm talking about things that are listed here. We would. So why would we subject the temple of God with such things? <clears throat> Some people say, well, he got mad enough. He said that would even make a preacher cuss. Like, you know, that would be an extreme. But I've heard some foul-mouthed Christians. It didn't sound like it was coming out of the temple of God. Didn't, it didn't, to me, it sounded like it was coming out of the garbage of the world and not out of the temple of God. Is your salvation, is our salvation by our works or God's grace? Are we saved by our works? They're in Romans 3.23. <clears throat> all that have sin, and all of sin comes short of the glory of God, being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God has set forth to be the propitiation through faith in His blood, to declare His righteousness for the remission of sin, and our pass through the forbearance of God, to declare, I say at this time, 
his righteousness, that he might be just, and the justifiers of them which believeth in Jesus, which it, where is boasting then, it is excluded by what law of works, nay, but of the law of faith. Now what thing do we see in there that man did? I mean, just what I just read. <clears throat> I mean, it, <clears throat> all his sin comes short of the glory of God. That we did. We can, we can take credit for that. <clears throat> but the justification, redemption, Jesus being our propitiation, faith in his blood, <clears throat> his righteousness, his re- and receiving the remission of sin through the forbearance of God, that's all of God. That's not one thing there that we did. It says, then it says, is ex- <clears throat> what? Where is boasting then? You never boasted about your salvation, did you? I mean, not bo- I'm not talking about boasting on Jesus. I'm talking about boasting on self. We, when I was a kid, We'd have these <coughs> testimonies a lot of times on Sunday evening. I, I was, <coughs> somebody would say, well, I don't think Brother Miller had anything prepared tonight. So we had a witness, you know, a testimony. And everybody get up and say, well, I've done this, I've done that, I've done this, that, and the other, and God saved me. That's almost everybody's testimony. But that's not the way it is. <coughs> Well, I went to church that morning. Let me say to you, God said, everything in order. I was thinking about that Enoch. He's going home. God brought an evangelist there. He happened to be reading out of the book of Isaiah. And uh, Philip said, you know what you're reading? You know what that means? He said, how can I? said, some, some man got it. Now, how did he get there? He got there by God moving him by the Spirit to be there. That's why the evangelist got there. Enoch was just going home. He, as far as he knew, when he left, what time he left, were all left up to him. Whether he went the day before or the next day or the day he went, as far as he was concerned, he was control of all that. And yet we know that exact time, exact uh, time that uh, Philip was there, the exact time that Enoch uh, was there, and, and he happened to be reading out of Isaiah. Now, you know then, they didn't have Bibles like this. Uh-uh. So, I'm pretty sure he didn't have the Old Testament in that carriage. But he did have the book of Isaiah. And where was he reading? (coughs) And Philip started from where he was reading and expounded unto him Jesus Christ. Now how much of that did the Enoch have? And how much could we say, well... You had this part, Mr. Enoch, from Ethiopia, because you was there on time. 
because you happen to have the book of Isaiah with you is because God made an appointment from eternity past that on that day, that hour, that exact time period that those two men would be there, he would preach to him out of the book of Isaiah. They would go up there and there would have been some water waiting for him, baptized him and sent him on his way. I mean, say that was all of God. It was not the Ethiopian eunuch and it wasn't even not Philip. He's only obeying God and then it says the Spirit lifted him up, moved him. Many believe making a profession of faith <coughs> brings salvation. <coughs> Romans 10, 9. <coughs> that if thou shalt confess... And with thy mouth, the Lord Jesus, and shall believe in thy heart that God has raised him from the dead, <clears throat> thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, with the mouth confessions made unto salvation. For the scripture has said, Whosoever believeth in him shall not be ashamed, for there is no difference between the the Jew and the Greek, for the same Lord over all, rich unto all, call upon him. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You said, uh, that sounds like a Roman road. It is. Somebody said, well, it looks like a man does a lot in that. Well, let's read verse 8. <coughs> But what saith it, the word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart, that is the word of faith which we preach. Now the only way that you can believe is that word be in your heart. And how did it get into their heart, in their minds and in their heart? is by the preaching of the Word. And if they had not received the preaching of the Word, there'd been nothing there to confess. They're only confessing what happened. You say, well, yeah, but whosoever should call upon the name of the Lord, what does 14 say? Now, how shall they call on Him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe on him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? Sounds like to me the salvation is tied to the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what it sounds like to me. And that no soul will be saved unless they hear that gospel. And they cannot believe unless God puts that word in their heart. Now the Roman road is two verses short. 
How shall whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved? But the Bible says right after that, how shall they call on him whom they have not believed? You don't pray to believe. You pray because you have believed. So we don't use the Roman road. Word preach is a word of faith. Think about the sower in Matthew 13, 18 through 23. I'm hoping everybody's familiar with it. The seed there is the word of God. It's being preached. There's four types of ground. One's the highway, roadway. Those on that roadway are the devil's people and they can't comprehend the thing it says. <laughs> then there's a stony place. Now, that root, those seeds do take root, but they're not deep. And they comprehend and rejoice in the gospel of Jesus Christ. But when persecution comes and the cares of the world come, they fall away. Now there's some that grow, I call it the thicket. I know it says thorns, but I like thicket. Because <clears throat> if you ever plant anything in the thicket, you know you're wasting your time. Now, it might come up, but it's not going to last. It's not going to bring you a crop. But it says among the thorns, and in the end, even though they hang in there, they, there's, from all that you and I can see, they are the children of God. Now, persecutions come, they stick right in there. But Johnny needs to be playing on the little league on Wednesday nights. And has some games on Sunday, so we're not going to be able to do that. Uh, taking a job in ten buck two, and there's no church over there, so <laughs> we'll not be going. It says because of the cares of the world and covetousness. They fall away. Then uh, there's some good ground. You know what good ground is? It's not fallow ground. If you've ever tried to plant on fallow ground, it's not going to work. You might get a a wheat here and a wheat there, but it's not going to work. No, you got to take that ground you got to plow it up. you got to plow it up. you got to break those clots up. you got to harrow it. you got to make a trench there to put those seeds. I know these machines just stick them in the ground, but if we was planting it. And then you got to cover that back up. And then you got to wait. 
Now, it's not like the stony ground doesn't come up right away. It's not like those in the thicket that comes up, but it bears no fruit. This, in this ground, <coughs> where the Holy Spirit has plowed up the fallow ground of the heart, has planted a seed there, will take root and bring forth fruit, some 30, some 60, some 100. Now what was the difference between all that ground? The work of the Holy Spirit. Because you can't plow up your fallow ground in your heart. You can't make rows in it. You can't go through there and break up the clutch. You can't even plant the seed in it. The Holy Spirit has to do all of that. But when He's done all of that, it brings forth fruit. So clearly, faith proceeds from the new man. That new man was dead until the Spirit got a hold of it. And he made it alive. (laughs) We were dead because our inner man was dead. The Holy Spirit went in there, put life of Christ in there, Put that seed in there and praise God it brought a crop. You can put some things on that field you ought not to but it's not going to do away with the work of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Romans 8, 3, 2 For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. I'm no longer under the law of sin and death. There's nothing that can bring death to my new man. He was dead. The Holy Spirit made him alive. And there's no power on earth that can go in there and change what the Spirit of God has done. No power. Not your power. Not my power. Not the power of the world, the devil, or anything else. Now, is anybody here living a perfect life? Sinless. We still have the motions of sin in our body. We're going to have it until we lay this body down. When Christ shall come, and raise that body. That body will be just like a new man. Holy. Perfect. Without blemish. 
No emotions of sin there. No desire for the unfruitful righteousness, if you will, fruit of unrighteousness. No thoughts of any wickedness, fornication, anything. It'd be perfect. You know, it's hard to believe. That's true. Seems like sometimes the harder we try to live right, the wronger we get. Just like the Spirit of God regenerated that heart, the Lord Jesus is going to come and regenerate this body. Those that believe that if you sin, you lose your salvation. would anybody be saved? Now, I've got a few things here, and I know that some of these would, would differ a little bit, but usually they categorize sin like this, faults, they don't count. Sins of remission, they don't count. Gossip, they don't count. Sins on the spur of the moment. In other words, somebody pushed you into it. They don't count. <clears throat> and we could count a many only <clears throat> count a presumptuous sin and so on and so forth. And that's the ones that count. Smoking cigarettes. Drinking. Painting your faces. We could go <laughs> we could go home with a list out of this world. But all these other sins really don't count. I talked to a man one time and he said he's lost and couldn't be saved. And I, I said, now brother, nobody. I, said, I, told, I didn't say brother. I said, nobody is beyond that pill. I said, you can't know that. He said, well, preacher, I smoke cigarettes. I said, What? He said, I smoked cigarettes. And I thought to myself, what does that have to do with being saved? And somebody said, well, you talked to him, didn't you? I said, yeah. Yes, and he used to be a member of our congregation, but those cigarettes got a hold of him, now he's lost. Not by works of righteousness which I have done. If that would be the truth, one impure thought would send you. You'd have no hope. You say, well, I'd get over that, but you'd have another one. In this belief, some are given over to pride, thinking themselves better because they're more holy than the smoker. I don't smoke. I don't chew tobacco. <clears throat> I don't I don't drink alcohol. I'm the perfect Christian. And all the time they're given over to pride. Now what does Romans seven say? <clears throat> 
Know ye not, brethren? For I speak to them that know the law, how that the law hath dominion over man as long as he liveth. For the woman which hath a husband is bound by the law to her husband so long as he liveth. But if the husband be dead, she is loose from the law of her husband. So then, if while her husband liveth, she be married to another man, she should be called an adulteress. But if her husband be dead, she is free from the law. So that she is no... <coughs> No adulteress, though she be married to another man. Wherefore, my brethren, ye also are become dead to the law. By the body of Christ, that you should be married to another, even to him who raised from the dead, that we should bring forth fruit unto God, for we were in the flesh, the motions of sin, which were by the law, did work in our members to bring forth fruit unto death. But now we are delivered from the law. That being dead wherein we were held, that we should serve to the newness of the Spirit and not in the oldness of the letter. We don't taste not, touch not, have not. We were like the subject to the law, sin and death, until Jesus delivered us from that. We have died to the law. We're under new laws called the law of faith. Are you free from that law and living by grace? <clears throat> this is from a hymn. Free from the law, old happy condition. Jesus has bled and there is remission. Cursed by the law and bruised by the fall, grace has redeemed us once for all. <laughs>